Hello, Lighthouse Church family. Pastor Joel here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning into another of our sermon podcasts. Hope there's a word for you today. Now, let's jump into your weekly dose of godly teaching for you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everyone here. Lord, despite the weather, Lord, thank you that we were able to make it out this morning without any issues. Lord, I know that the people here will receive the word. Lord, I pray that you anoint my words and you anoint me with your power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for everyone here that they will receive a word from you this morning. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in advance. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 So I, I, I want to talk to you guys this morning about the greatest soul winners of all time. That is us. And, and I'm going to give you six things that the, the Bible gives you a motivation as a motivation for soul winning. Six biblical motivations for soul winning. If you study revival, let's go. No, it's fine. I like this. <laughs> oh, if, if you study revival, it doesn't come by accident. It might come suddenly, but never by accident. We've been praying for revival for a long time, and it's here. It's finally here. God wants to move through each and every one of us powerfully. And, and we need a church that will bring in that harvest. The, the lost aren't just going to walk in by themselves. And we need to get out there and bring them in. The fields are ready. The hearts are ready to be harvested. People are looking for the truth. This is our time to be soul winners for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Give God a praise, a thunder of worship. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So today, this morning, we're going to open up to Romans 12, verse 9. And, and I like to read from the NLT because I just find it easier to teach. I respect New King and I respect all of them. I just like to speak on New Living Translation. So if you have your phone and you want to turn to, to Romans chapter 12, verse 9, and highlight these, these Bible verses because they're going to be useful when you, have, when, you have the, when you have the opportunity to present the gospel. Romans 12, verse 9. And it's going to be up there too, thank God. All right, Romans 12, verse 9 says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard, and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Enthusiastically in the New Kings, it says, fervent, in spirit, serving the Lord. Never lose your zeal for God. Never stop carrying the fire. See, the Bible says you'll have a fervent spirit, and the Bible talks about the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It produces power. It creates results. See, that's how the things of God work. They don't avoid the fire of God. It's like a car without an engine. Everything can be in place. You'll still go to heaven. But the power of God is the fire of God, stirred up in the engine in your car. Amen? So the first point I want to touch is found in Revelation 20, 
verse 11. Revelation 20, verse 11. Amen. And it says, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So, I, I forgot to tell you guys at the beginning, God gave me the gift of being an evangelist. So at the end of this, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make things right with God. Amen? So the Bible talks about the lake of fire being the final hell. And so there is really a heaven, and there really is a hell. And those that don't have their name written in the book of of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire forever. What is the lake of fire? If we turn to Luke chapter 16, verse 19, it, 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 it's a parable, but in Luke 16, it, it's the only parable where Jesus actually uses a proper name. And, and I believe it's not a parable. I believe this is actually a true story that happened. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. It says, Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendid, splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus laid there, longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dog would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the, do the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead, there in torment. See, torment, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this word down, torment. When people teach about hell, you know, hell is, is, is a separation from God, and you know, the worst thing about going to hell is, is being separated from God for eternity. See, if you think about it, Someone that's never known God, would they even care? See, someone that's, that's, that's been separated their whole life from God, what's it to them? See, but the Bible calls a hell a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, that's why they give somebody a towel to bite down when they're being tortured. Because you'll actually shatter your teeth when you're in intense pain. In life, if... if you're in too much pain, God made two ways out. The first one is, if, if, if the pain gets too intense, you go into shock. Your nervous system just kicks out and says, whatever you're doing is overloading. And, and for your own sake, I'm, I'm going to shut off, and that's called shock. The second thing, if you pass shock, is death. And that's if the pain gets too intense, then you die. But hell is the second death. There's no relief. There's no coming out. There's no coming back. See, 
The Bible, the Bible says that he was in torment. And, and he saw Abraham in the far distance, we keep reading, with Lazarus at his side. Verse 24, the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Notice that the first thing that he said wasn't, I would love to be in the presence of God. But he said, have Lazarus dip his finger in water and come over here and cool my tongue because I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So he is here being comforted and you, you're in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm that is separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. So there's no crossing over. You can't come back to earth. So you notice how every psychic you go see and they say they're going to contact your, your relative. There's never any warning. It's a demon spirit because it's the opposite. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. You'll get re reunited soon. And you never hear them say, you better get to that church we used to go to and repent and be saved before it's too late. See, so that's how you know it's not a real spirit. Because if somebody actually could come back from the dead, they would say, I can't cool your tongue. Verse 27, we keep reading. Then the rich man said, please, father, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so that I don't, so they don't end up in this place of torment. So a man that didn't give any concern for eternity or his family or the spiritual things, after he goes to hell, now, one, he's in pain. And two, somebody needs to tell my family now. We move on to the next verse, 2 Corinthians 5.11. 2 Corinthians 5.11. Still reading NLT. It says... 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Before we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. It's crazy how much modern doctrine has allowed people to sleep in the area of fraternity and evangelism. See, some people say, you know, how many of you know Jesus paid the price our sins from the past and future, God understands we're just human and we all have weaknesses. Amen? That ain't true. See, the Bible says that there is a fear of the Lord that is going to judge sin. See, although Jesus has destroyed sin's power and to forgive us of all our sins, there's still only one kind of sin that God will forgive, and that's repenting of sin. See, unless you repent... You will all likewise perish. Yes, the price has been paid, but you have to access it by repentance. See, the, the man that is too big to repent is too big to go to hell. He'll go to hell in his pride. See, I heard a story once about an evangelist out in San Antonio, Texas. It was a hot summer day, and he was out speaking to people about the Lord. And he was wearing a leather vest as biker. And so the evangelist goes up to him. And it was in the middle of summer. So his arms were, were bare. They were showing. And, 
and, and, and the evangelist is preaching to him, is presenting the gospel, and the biker says, I want to go to hell. Anyway, that's where all my friends go, are going to go. And, and everybody around laughed. They, 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 they thought it was funny. And the evangelist said to, to, to the biker, do you have a lighter I can borrow? And the, and the, and the biker said, yeah. So he tossed him the lighter. The evangelist grabbed the lighter and put it under his bare arm and turned it on. And, and the biker goes, hey, what are you doing? And, and the evangelist says, I don't think you're going to do too well in hell. <laughs> and he tosses the lighter back. See, it's easy to run your mouth in a, in a climate-controlled room. See, but hell is a place of such excruciating torment that it was never meant for men. It was only meant for Satan and the third of the, of the angels that followed him out of heaven. Hell is a motivation. Knowing that there really is a heaven and there really is a hell, see, this, this, this will pass away. My shirt will pass away. My bank account, money will pass away. But souls are for eternity. They go into eternity. There really is a heaven and there really is a, a hell. And every person will spend eternity in one of those two places. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If we go to chart, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Um, this, this, you can use this when you memorize this because when you have a chance to speak with somebody this will come to your mind and you're going to be able to, to, to share it and the power of God has power that pierces like a sword to people's heart. Amen? So Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew or Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, if the chapter ended right there, then it would be a lot easier. We'd have a lot less responsibility. See, prayer can never take the place of evangelism. Pray for people to be saved, but God doesn't run errands for us. We are the hands extended of God to do what he's called us to do. If, if, if it just said all they have to do is call on the Lord, then that would be fine. But unfortunately, verse 19 begins. Verse, sorry, verse 14. Verse 14 says, But how can they call on him to be saved, to be saved, Call him to be saved unless they believe. And how can they believe if they've never heard about it? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go to tell them without being sent? So the number one motivation of soul winning is there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. And every person is going to spend their eternity in one of those two places. Number two motivation for soul winning is a hatred for what is evil. A hatred for sin. You'll never have any fire, you'll, you, you'll never have a passion in your spirit if you don't have a hatred for sin. See, Canada gets an A+. The West, we get an A+, for loving what is good. But we get an F for hating what is evil. And the thing is that, that gives you the passionate hatred for sin is knowing what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. You have to hate 
what sin does to people. You don't hate sinners. You hate sin. You don't preach against sin because you hate the people that are involved. You preach on it to be a holy alarm clock to wake them up. See that everything that is done in secret will be laid bare in the open. Be sure you find out the wages of sin is death. There is death to sin. See, if people do what God calls sin, it destroys them. It destroys their marriage. It destroys families. It destroys cities. As long as it, it, if that doesn't bother you and you don't, want to talk to, you don't want to talk about it because you're in fear of the government's oppositions or, or, or that are in your country, then God will never use you. It doesn't say love what is good. It doesn't just say love what is good. It says hate what is evil. When you keep the fire of God stirred up in you, it keeps a passionate hatred for you, you hate the filth of sin. See, you preach against it with a loving compassion for the person, but a revulsion in your gut against the, what the devil has brought to mankind. The devil does not want us to preach against sin. But I'll tell you this morning. When, when I have the opportunity to share the gospel, 90% of the time it's with unchurched, unsaved people. And they, they don't throw things at me. They want to hear the truth. But if you're too much of a wuss to tell them what sin is, then they're going to go to hell. And, and they're going to look at, at you across at you and, and, and assuming you make it to heaven. And, and on the way there, they'll say, you never told me this was sin. You, you, you never told me I can't live with my girlfriend. You never told me I can't drink and get drunk. You have to make up your mind. See, there'll never, there, there won't be anybody that can look across to me on Judgment Day and say, Daniel never told me. I don't like that he told me, but if, if you tell them, how, how can they call on him who they've never heard? See, how can they believe the gospel if you're preaching something other than the gospel? And if you don't know what evangelism is, how are you going to know? See, I, I've heard, if, if you heard, if all you've heard is people say, you know, we all have different weaknesses. We all have different demons. See, you, you hear preachers say this, and, and we have different demons. Like we're battling. Man, if you have, if you're battling demons, you need somebody to cast that devil out of you. Because there's a thing in the Bible that says you don't have to live with sin. And sin having victory over you. You can live in victory and dominion over sin. And you have to preach that. You have to tell people, your family, your coworkers, wherever God gives you an opportunity, you can't take light in regards to sin. And they have to realize Jesus is coming anytime. And when he comes, you can't get ready. You have to be ready all the time. See, but love people enough to tell them simultaneously. Love what is good and hate what is evil. That's what the anointing is. You're not, you're not some mean soul winner. or You love them. But you detest by the anointing so that they can get disgust for sin. See, people will never get delivered unless they are disgusted by sin. And the anointing makes them disgusted by sin. Amen. 
Motivation number three. We turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Amen. It says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Motivation three for soul winning is not just a hatred for sin, but a hatred for the oppression of the devil. When Jesus saw a woman in Luke chapter 13 who had been bent double crippled by an evil spirit for 18 years, when he saw her and he knew how long she'd been that way, he went over and touched her and said, daughter, stand up. And immediately she stood up and she praised God. See, when he saw that man that had been crippled, he uh, was sitting in front of the pool at uh, Bethesda for, for, for 38 years. Jesus went over and he made sure he could walk. He hated the oppression of the devil. When you see someone in your family that is battling with cancer, there you should realize that's a devil that's getting delight from destroying their body. But when you hate it, the devil can see it in your eyes. You don't put up with it. So if you ever get the opportunity to pray over somebody who is struggling, you pray. You foul spirit, let this person go. And before you finish your sentence, the devil, that devil will leave because they know where you stand. And they know that you hate the oppression. There has to be a motivation that you hate cancer, you hate deafness, you hate mental attacks, anxiety, and all this stuff. See, in Canada, they make a ton of money just by putting people on prescription medication. But you have to realize that you're not just sent to proclaim the truth. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to destroy oppression. The preaching of the gospel is the power that destroys oppression. Motivation number three is a hatred for the oppression. Amen? Motivation number four, moved by love for people. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Highlight this one. This one. This one's good. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news, the gospel, about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of sickness and disease. When he saw the crowds had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd, he said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields which I believe I'm talking to people right here, right now, that this is, they're going to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. More laborers in the field. He didn't say, start praying that God would do more for the field. God's solution is to send people. You are the body of Christ. And in your mind, if you want to get something done, like grabbing a cup, your mind and your body need to work together to make this happen. And, but if your body won't cooperate, it won't happen. See, the same way Jesus worked with his earthly body. 
See, we are now his body on earth. And if we don't do what he laid us out to do, then there's a problem. But if we cooperate with him, then the anointing flows through us to get it done. See, Christ was moved with compassion. When Peter sliced the ear off of his arrester, Jesus put the ear back on and he healed his wounds and told Peter, put your sword away. He loved people. Jesus loved people. You have to guard what you say. Sometimes online, uh, you see ministers, influencers, you know, talking about liberals and, and debates about this and so on, about that. See, this is key. Don't ever make an enemy out of who God called the harvest. For you'll just be us against them. And it's not us against, against them. We're trying to reach the lost, not vilify the lost. See, these, these, these stupid people, they, they, you know, if, if they call out like that. But if, if you talk like that, then the anointing to win the lost, will, you won't have it. But you never lose your hatred for sin. But you never lose the love for people. See, I had the Lord convict me about this because sometimes I go on social media and I and I see these posts and, and 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 things that I don't agree with, and in my head I go crazy. I'd send it to people, I I I'd commented on it, and 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 I'd be like, man, what's wrong with these people? Like these people are so dumb. Like what is going on? And and it would just irritate me so much, and 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 I would call these people names. I'd be like, man, these people are so idiots, and and and. You know, and then I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, you keep saying that, you will lose something in the anointing because your confession matters. See, so you can't simultaneously think people are idiots and then try to save them. It don't work. See, but you never allow yourself to lose your love for people. The Bible says that the love of God constrains us. See, Paul took it to another level that I'm not there yet. He said, I would choose to be a curse and cut off if Israel could be saved. I would go to hell. See, that's how much we need to love people. And that's how much he loved people. You let the love of God constrain you to be a soul winner for God. Amen? So the number four motivation is to be moved by the love for people. Number five. Motivation, and I'm gonna spend a little bit of time on this. It's, it's it's the first the first chapter, the first verse I want to read is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. We're still yeah, all right. And 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 Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. It says, "And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to to Him must believe that God exists, and that He rewards." Those who seek him. See, for anyone who wants to come to God successfully, they must believe these two things equally. Number one, that he is a rewarder. And number two is that he is God. See, not that he might reward. The fact is that God doesn't just use people. He blesses them. And God's not looking just to use you. He's looking to bless you. So the number five motivation for soul winning is the reward. See, God never gave people something to do 
without talking to them about a reward. See, Abraham, he told Abraham, go to the land and I will show you. And if you do, I will make you great and I will multiply your seed. The first chapter, the first verse I want to read for this point is found in John chapter 4, verse 34. John chapter 4, verse 34. And it says, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, Wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Do you think the devil will treat his people better than God will? Than God will treat his labors? I don't think so. I never lose sight of this. Verse 36. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both for the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to the harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. That is a benefit. You can go and plant seeds and other soul winners will come and they will, and they will reap the harvest. And they'll collect the harvest. And the Bible says that a harvester is also known as a soul winner. See, the Lord pays the laborers who are worthy of their hire. Do you think God will rebuke secular business owners? In the book of James it says, The laborers' cries have come out of the field, for they have worked, but you've withheld their wages. See, God is not a hypocrite. He, God, would God rebuke secular business owners for not paying their labors and then not pay his labors? No. Jesus said not only did he pay them, he pays them good wages. See, I pray right now in this moment, from this moment forward, you will never lack. And as you follow the call of God on your life in Jesus name. You will never lack. Amen. And, and, and if anyone tells you otherwise, you should tell them to close their mouth in Jesus' name. And God will bless you for it. Because that's a devil talking. See, you should be motivated by the reward. What is the reward for soul winning? There's, there's a few points without this fight, with few sub points with this, in this point. Now, first point, the reward for soul winning There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who comes to repentance than 99 who remain righteous. Because you're connected with the joy that heaven feels, you will feel joy. See, you can feel this. I feel this all the time when I have the opportunity to share the gospel. I can feel my heart jumping for joy. and, 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 And a true soul winner should never be depressed. See... And, and, and a, true soul, a true soul winner will always have joy. You'll never be depressed. Because you, as you bring them in, heaven is happy. And because heaven is on the inside of you, you feel that joy. So then true soul winners will never get depressed. The second, soul winning engenders protection from all the power of the devil. 
God will curse anyone who curses you without your permission. If you serve the Lord, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. The Bible says, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. I will cause them to run from you without your permission. The third reward for soul winning, it honors God. In Proverbs 14, 28, I do like the New King James Version on this one. Proverbs chapter 14, 28 says, In the multitude of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people or the lack of people is the destruction of the prince. Look at the first part. In the multitude of people is the kingdom's honor, is the king's honor. So it honors the king for there to be a multitude of people. Soul winning brings the glory of God. It honors the king. For in the multitude of people is the king's honor. If you want to bring glory to God, bring him people that he bought and paid for with his blood from the blood of his son. And, and, and that honors God. And you know what the second part of Samuel says? But I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. See, soul winning brings honor to God. The president of the United States did the eulogy for Billy Graham. See, if you win souls, it honors God. And if you honor God, he'll honor you. The number four benefit of soul winning is the covenant platform of for enthronement where God will make you shine bright like the stars on this earth. See, where you'd otherwise have to get favor from people to get ahead from the world. See, but, but if you win souls, God promotes you and, and, and has a throne for you, not just in heaven, but here on earth. And the Bible says that he that winneth souls is wise. And it also says in, in those lines that wisdom, by wisdom, kings reign. So soul winning is the wisdom of God manifested. It causes you to reign as a king in this life. And the Bible says in, uh, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, New King James. And those that are wise shall shine like the brightest of the firmament. Firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. See, I heard a preacher, a preacher say one time, he that wins souls is wise. And he that doesn't win souls is otherwise. <laughs> but, but those who are soul winners shall shine as the brightest star in the sky. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars will shine like the stars forever and ever. Soul winning causes you to shine like a star in this life. Motivation number five, or sorry, number five reward for soul winning. God becomes your personal physician. Of, he becomes a personal physician of every soul winner. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 17, it says, A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health or carries health. 
Proverbs 13, 17 says, a faithful messenger or a faithful ambassador, which the Bible says that we're all ambassadors of heaven, carries help. God becomes a personal physician for every soul winner. Oral Roberts went to heaven when he was 92. Billy Graham at 99 and a half. See, God becomes your personal physician of every soul winner. There's no record of any physician, sorry, of any disciple being sick as they were on the mission for Jesus. You don't hear them saying, you don't read in the Bible. He sent them out to Capernaum and Mark said, I can't go. Look, I have a sinus infection. See, it's, it's, it's the dusty time of the year. So you don't see that. The number six reward for soul winning, it puts you in command of the supernatural for free. Go into the world and preach the gospel. And these signs will follow them that believe. And, and they will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. See, every believer is committed to winning souls. And so winning souls causes the supernatural to flow through you and follow you for free wherever you go. The number seven soul winning reward is you will never lack. As you follow the call of God in your life, it's like being on God's payroll. Like we talked about in John 4, harvesters and soul winners, we get paid, you get paid good wages. And the number six and final motivation for soul winning, the sixth and final motivation for soul winning, if we can turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in these last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth, that's where we are, and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before time, our ancestors, every, our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out, of, out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word... The present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when the ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Number six motivation is knowing that time is short. See, Jesus said in chapter 24, verse 35, the generation that sees the fig tree bud again will not pass from the scene till all things are fulfilled. See, Israel is that fig tree. Israel became a nation in 1948. And everybody, everybody expected something to happen back in the year 2000, but it didn't. But I'll remind you, why do you think the UN has a, has a, uh, um, a thing to bring every, everything under control by one global government by the year 2030? And you can see that everything is racing. And I'm not saying that 2030 is the year. All I'm saying is we don't have long. But you can see the end coming right now. And it should be a motivation. 
that, that I, I'm not, I believe I'm not going to live till I'm 80 on this earth. And, and not because I'm going to die tragically early, but because there's going to be a trumpet sound. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, and, 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 and it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. But as people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but everyone to repent. Verse 15, we skip down. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Karov if you could come up to the piano and, and, and join me for this last little bit. And with this, and with this I'll close. And, and I've been praying about, about this. We've been coming here to church in the mornings at 6 a.m. for 45 days now. And, and the Lord is beginning a work in, in, this, in this city, in this region, in this province, and in this country like I haven't seen before. And, and I believe that right now we are going to be the greatest army of soul winners there has ever been. And, and I'm prophesying in Jesus' name that there won't be any room in this church. There won't be any room in any of these churches in Niagara. And we're going to have to rent out the OLG stage, which I've already started to inquire. It's, it's, it's between thirty dollars to $80,000 a night. And, and the Scotiabank Center is around the same price. And, and in the book of Acts, see, when the church was birthed, Peter went out under the unction of the Holy Ghost, and he drew in. 3,000. And then it goes out to 5,000. And a couple of chapters later, it gets to a point where the Bible says all of Asia, both Jew and Greeks, have heard about the word of the Lord. See, they were on the move, converting people. And the Bible says that Jesus hasn't come back and he's delayed his return because there's still, need, there's still people that need to be saved. See, in your family, at work, in your circle of influencing, there's still people that need to hear the good news. And our job is to present the gospel. Our job is to, 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 to persuade them to come out and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. All we have to do is just say, listen, Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago and rose from the dead. And he died for your sins so that you're, you may be perfect in the eyes of God. That's all we have to say. And, and, and that person, they could be having their own personal battle. They could be praying to God and, and they'd be praying for a sign. And you're that person that comes and preaches the word. Well, guess what? Their hearts will be open and ready to receive the truth. And that is our job as soul winners is to tell people about the good news. And the rest will come. See, I believe I'm praying. I believe and I'm praying some of you here in person and online, you are going to bring the gospel to every corner of this city, of this region, of this province, of this country. And, and, and that's why the Bible says, go ye therefore and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nation, nations. See, soul winning is the outreach arm 
of the church. And that's why the devil has tried so hard to prevent us from reaching the lost. But I truly believe God is raising an army of the greatest soul winning winners of all time from the book of Acts. See, when the devil thinks that he has your nation on lockdown, it only takes one person to rise up and to throw off the shackles of the demonic tyranny. See, and see their generation be brought to Jesus Christ. Amen? And the Lord is going to use each and every single one of us here today to do that. And I'm going to pray right now. I want every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for everyone here present. Lord, I, I thank you in advance for the souls that are going to be coming in. I thank you for the harvest. I thank you for the soul winners that we have in this room. Generals, leaders, kings that will go out and reach the lost. Lord, you've commanded all of us to make disciples of, of all the nations. Lord, and I pray right now, Lord, all the way from P.I. to Vancouver, from Yellowknife to Windsor, Lord, I, I put this country in your hands. Lord, I put this city in your hands. Lord, we are not here by chance. Pastor Dave always preaches. We're in Niagara Falls for a reason. And I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason. And that's to fulfill the purpose of God from heaven here on earth. And that's to reach the lost. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to use us. Thank you for the honor of being able to be used by you. Thank you, Jesus, for the harvest. Thank you, Jesus, for, the, for our family that's going to be saved. That they're going to proclaim that you are Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that many, many will come to you. And I just pray that you, you, you come at the right time. Lord, that you come at the time where millions and millions, 10 millions of people will be saved before your return. I thank you, Jesus. And I praise you. And I thank you in advance. I praise you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So that's, that's, that's the word of God that, I, that God has given me to share with you this morning. Um, and, 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 and with this, we'll close. If, if you guys could stand up. And, and I'll, uh, like I said earlier, I, I, I will give you an opportunity now. To, if you've never heard of this before, of the gospel or the good news, this is your opportunity right now to make things right with God. And also, if you want to get things right with God, if you want to make amends, you want a new start, you want a fresh start, you want, you want the anointing in your life. I want every eye closed, every head bowed, and I want you to raise your hand if you've never heard of the gospel and you want salvation. And I want you to raise your hand 
if you want a fresh start, if you want to repent from your sins, if you want to start over, yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is the time to get things right with God so that we can be used powerfully in this generation. We were the selected few for this generation to make an impact in our generation, to transform the outcome of what the devil is trying to do. This is the time. Thank you, Jesus. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your son dying on the cross. I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me of my sins. I accept salvation through Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I will serve you with all my heart to be a soul winner for you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Joel here. Thanks again for tuning into this sermon podcast. Just a reminder to come join us 10 a.m. Sundays, either in person or live streamed at lighthouseniagara.com. God bless and have a great day.